Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, the number one show for the invested sports fan. Ready? All right, here we go. From the 10th, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. <laughs> Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. And welcome to the Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Chris Raybon, and this is the NFL Week 7 betting preview. We'll break down our top six spread bets in the Sunday six-pack, give you our favorite total, teaser, money line, parlay, survival pool pick, lots of good stuff. Uh, and of course, we will start the show breaking down Thursday night football. But before we do that, just a reminder, go download the free Action Network app, real-time odds, box scores, and the capability to track every bet you make. Now let's get right into our Thursday night football preview. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet Thursday night football. Tonight's matchup is the 4-2 Kansas City Chiefs going a mile high to visit the 2-4 Denver Broncos. Chiefs favored by three, getting about two-thirds of the tickets, around two-thirds of the money as well. The over-under has been dropping currently at 48 71% 71% of the bet, 72% of the money coming in there on the under. And here to help me break down all these games, my guy, the Prime Minister of Degenerate Nation, Stuck. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, brother? Had a pretty good week last week. You know, I know some picks that we opposed each other on hit for me, so I'm sure there'll be uh, more of that in the in the Sunday six-pack. But I actually bet on the Broncos last week, Stuck, and against the Tennessee Titans. And the reason was I thought that the changes Vic Fangio made to his base defense, uh, adding some bulk, uh, some players playing well, uh, kind of some un- unproven guys playing well, moving Kareem Jackson back to his natural position at this stage of his career anyway, uh, at safety – I thought that would be enough against a Titans team that struggles to move the ball on offense, number 31 in early down pass success rate. Now, I think that coming into this game, a lot of what I like Denver's defense for in that game against Tennessee uh, doesn't really ring true. And that's even with Sammy Watkins out because the Chiefs are still working in Pringle, Hardman, and Robinson behind, of course, Tyreek Hill. And it's just going to be a totally different matchup from my perspective. Uh, so tell me how you feel about this game, uh, any wins, or just how do you think the, the matchup will break down? I like Denver a lot here. I played Denver. I teased Denver as a teaser for our teaser segment. And it's really just about this Kansas City team. I mean, plus you know, what this Kansas City team right now is, is it's basically Patrick Mahomes. And that's it. And then it's a not healthy Patrick Mahomes on a short week going to Denver. And you saw it in the second halves of the last two games with his ankle. I think Kansas City will really benefit from playing on Thursday for their next game, which I believe is on a Monday night. So they'll have about 10, 10 days of rest to get healthier because it's not just Mahomes that's bagged up. This offensive line, generally a strong suit of the Chiefs, disaster, mainly because of injuries. It's basically Mitchell Schwartz on the right side and then a bunch of scrubs. Cam Irving, Rankin, Ryder, Duvernay Tardif. I mean, their offensive line is bad. Tyree Kill is back, but... The Broncos have a, an elite corner in Chris Harris who will probably shadow him. Chris Harris also played slot a lot in his corner, which Tyreek Hill will also play a lot of, so he'll be comfortable there. The Chiefs' injuries at 
wide receiver now with just Robinson and Pringle against the weakest part of the Denver defense, which is those other corners. I don't know if they can take advantage, but on top of all of that, it's the Chiefs defense. I mean, Denver should be able to just line it up and run it right down the Chiefs' throat, just like everyone can do. We'll get to the Lions game later. The Lions can't run the ball at all. They can't run the ball against anybody. Well, they lined up around 43 times for 200 yards against the Chiefs. Anybody can do it, especially Denver. And this Chiefs defense, is it's just a raging dumpster fire. Uh, it looks like their, uh, Kendall Fuller will also be out. Um, at the, as their slot corner. But Sanders and Sutton are healthy on the outside, but mainly it's just they're going to be able to get four, five yards whenever they want up the middle. And the only respectable defender on this Chiefs defense is Chris Jones, and it looks like he's out up the middle. They don't get any pressure on the outside, so you're not going to take advantage of you know the statue that is Flacco and then some weak offensive tackles on the Broncos' side. I mean, if you look, go, go to Pro Football Focus and you just pull up all edge rushers, minimum 100 snaps. There's 60 of them. Three of the bottom six in terms of pass rush productivity are Chiefs. The only one worth a damn is Agua, and he's not even in the top 30. I mean, this defense is just really bad. I think the Broncos are going to be able to just run it whenever they want, pick up first downs whenever they want, and Mahomes just isn't healthy, and that offensive line is a mess. Uh, so on a short week, give me Denver at home, catching anything at a field goal or above. Yeah, so I agree with you, Stuck, for, you know, all those concerns are valid regarding the Chiefs. They can't stop the run. A little bit banged up. Mahomes, he was really affected in that game against the Colts. That was the one that was surprising, visibly limping, and it probably cost them a close game that, that they win if, if Mahomes can move around a little bit better. Uh, but all of these things have kind of conspired to put this at a line where, uh, you know, Chiefs minus three, Chiefs minus – I think the number should still be higher than that. And here's the reason why. I get that the Chiefs can't stop the run, but they've never been a great run defense. Now, the run, obviously, it's about a half as important as the pass in the league, just, you know, based on the sheer fact that teams pass twice as much. But if you just look at, you know, the correlations between that and point differential, uh, that's what you find to be true. So the thing that's most important is, is passing the football. Do I think Denver has some, some matchups that they can put up some yards and score some points? Probably. I think we're probably overreacting to this total with it, you know, dropping as much as it has now. I think it's down to 48 or 48.5, which I think probably is too low. Uh, maybe it deserves to drop to that to the 49 mark from 50, but uh, it, it's continued to drop. I, I don't know if that's right, but you have to look at these passing offenses and the difference. And the bottom line is, especially with Tyreek Hill back, let's not forget they have Travis Kelsey. Let's not forget Andy Reid is one of the best schemers in terms of uh, getting his running backs efficient yardage in the pass game, which really isn't that efficient of a play, even though it's become more and more popular um, throwing a running backs. Andy Reid is like the one exception to that rule. So give me the better pass offense in this spot. Give me the better team in this spot. And especially on a short week, yes, the, the, the Chiefs are a little banged up. But the Broncos, I think, where they're banged up, I disagree. I think th the Chiefs can absolutely exploit uh, their cornerbacks on the outside. Yes, Chris Harris will do his thing. But number one, Tyreek Hill can beat any corner, including Chris Harris, because he can just run by him. Uh, number two, we've seen Robinson. We've seen Pringle, too, and Hardman. All three of those guys have huge games. And it's not because those guys are amazing receivers. Uh, they're decent. It's because they're with Patrick Mahomes and this Andy Reid system. So I, I think on these short weeks, on Thursday nights in general, you, you know, home, road, whatever – the favorite is usually the play. Uh, it hasn't come through as much this year, but if you look back, uh, there's only been run, one road favorite this year on Thursday night, uh, and they did not cover, but 
uh, going back to 2003, uh, 37 and 29 against the spread, 56%. Uh, and of course, home favorites are even better. But, you know, Andy Reid on the road uh, in his career covers at a 60% clip with KC. Uh, it's 66%. You know, this is, there's just a lot of things that kind of point to, for me anyway, a Chiefs bounce back. I think they could just outscore the Broncos by enough to cover the number. I don't think this will be like a defensive struggle because, again, I think that the Broncos – are suited to beat teams with their base defense, which is why a lot of people weren't really on them uh, going against the Titans, which, you know, I thought, hey, you know, the, the game is not going to get out of hand to the extent that, that they can't stay in base and, and, ha- and you know, kind of shut down the run. But Andy Reid won't wor- run if he doesn't have to. The more times Patrick Mahomes throws, uh, I, I just think that um, they're going to be able to separate from the, uh, from the Broncos here. The Chiefs' offense is just – I mean, you could say they could run by everybody. I mean, number one, the Denver safeties are playing – Really good football. The Chiefs offense right now is broken. They went 25 games, most in NFL history, 25 games scoring 25 points or more. It was as sure as bet you can make. The Chiefs will score 25 or more. Well, they played the last two at home. They played, and they didn't score 25. They scored 13 against the Colts team without both of their safeties, without their best middle linebacker that two days before practice said, you know what, we're going to play man because we'll lose if we play zone. And they played man and manned up the Chiefs wide receivers and shut down a banged up Mahomes. Same thing with the Texans. Texans in that second half held the Chiefs to seven points. I mean, the Chiefs went up 17-3 in the first quarter. Seven points the rest of the way against the Texans secondary. That is a garbage can. So, I mean, Mahomes finished that game 19 of 35 for 273, you know, 54%. It's, you know, it's good, but it's not typical Mahomes. And he looked worse in the second half. And I think on a short week, it also limits what Andy Reid can scheme up. But just the offensive line right now for the Chiefs is giving Mahomes no time. And if he isn't 100% healthy and able to move around, you know, he's not going to be able to make as many plays down the field. And his receiving core is banged up. So, yeah, and I think on the other side of the ball, Denver – with Sanders and Sutton against, I mean, the Chiefs' corners are terrible too. I think the, the Broncos will be able to throw at some too, but the, the Chiefs just can't generate any edge pressure. The Chiefs, they know that their corners aren't the strongest, but they have a new defensive coordinator this year, Steve Spagnola. The Chiefs team actually only 51% of opponent tar- targets have gone to wide receivers. Uh, the league average is 60%. They have been funneling the ball underneath and inside, so tight ends are actually getting 30% of the look. So they can scheme to an extent. Uh, to kind of mask that. Now, I do agree. I think Fuller is a big loss, but I think that, uh, like, again, there's just so many of things that have transpired that have kind of put this line at a spot where I think it's begging to take the Chiefs, and it feels like the sharp play to take the Broncos, but even that Houston defense, I think, is being underrated because if you look at the underlying metrics, like I I told you, I always like to look at early down uh, success rate because it takes some of the noise out of, of, you know, the yardage numbers and and all that stuff. Houston's defense is number three against the run, which fine, but they're also number six against the pass. This is a better Houston defense than I think people think. Uh, Also a better Colts defense than I think uh, people are aware of. So I think that the Denver Broncos come back down to earth. And I mean, you said it, Chiefs scored 25 or more in 25 of 20 of their last 27 games. So the last two, they didn't like, what do you think is going to happen? They're going to get right. And I think that this, I think once they get healthy, yeah, they'll be right back, but they're not right now. They're going to get, you're going to see Sanders in the slot. And like, look, the chiefs know that they're not getting any pressure and they 
still can't scheme it. They didn't against the Colts. They had zero sacks against the Texans. Yeah, but they only gave 19 points. It's not like they got blown out of the building on defense by the Colts. They, they yeah, still gave 19 points. They the, 31 to Deshaun Watson, who had just put up 55 the previous game. So I'm not knocking them for that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but they're all, Patrick Mahomes scoring seven points over the last three quarters at home against the Texans and a total of 10 points against the Colts at home. The offense creates value on the line. Creates value on the line. I'm that we'll see. <laughs> no, um, but yeah, I think the, the last point is just that, I mean, the Broncos ha- haven't exactly been the greatest at getting pressure, which was another reason I liked them against the Titans. So it uh, should be an interesting matchup. So I've been saying all year, the Broncos are better than people yeah, are giving them they, credit for. They are. lost yeah. They lost to the, to the Jags at the last second, the Bears at the last second, and they got really kind of got hosed on a couple of plays up in Green Bay. Now they're starting, you know, it's starting to show that they're not like one of the bottom feeders of the NFL. Any lean on the over-under? It, it has been dropping. Do you, do you like to kind of go contrarian, or do you think the Chiefs' offense continues to struggle and, and you would play the under or just no bet? I have no feel. It feels about right. I mean, I, I, don't, I mean, it wouldn't shock me if the Chiefs get to 20-ish, 20, 24. I mean, you know, some of it's speculation that on a short week, I don't think Mahomes is going to be fully healthy. In the second halves of the last two games in particular, I mean, all throughout the Colts game, in the second half last week, he didn't look as mobile. And then now it's a short week. So if I had to bet it, I'd look at the under, but it feels about right to me. I, I can see easily see, you know, a 27-24 or 24-20 game. All right. So as we do every week, let's conclude our Thursday night football breakdown with the coach's pep talk. Today's coach's pep talk comes from manager Lou Brown from the film Major League, dedicated to the Denver Broncos who have won and covered in two straight, one more, and that's called a winning streak. We won a game yesterday. If we win one today, that's two in a row. We win one tomorrow, that's called a winning streak. It has happened before. So let's see some hustle. Let's jack it up a little. I got a feeling things are about to turn around for us. And before we move on to the main event, the Sunday six-pack, let's hear from Action Network two-messence expert, Matthew Friedman. Hope you're enjoying this great Action Network podcast. I want to make sure you know about the Locked On Podcast Network. Locked On has a daily podcast on your favorite team. Welcome to you, Locked On 49ers. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. Welcome, everybody, to the Locked On Lakers podcast. Let's go. Locked On podcasts are hosted by the local experts who know your team better than anyone and give you the inside scoop. So go to your podcast app and search Locked On, your favorite team. Subscribe to your Locked On podcast. Thanks for that very special message, Matthew. All right, Stuck, time for the main event. Let's get into it. The Sunday Six Pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday Six Pack. All right, so, of course, we keep score of our picks every week. Last week, I continued my streak. Two sweeps in a row, 10 to 10. You, had, you got three out of five last week, so not bad for the season. I'm up 2018. What you got? I'm going with this is the first time I've had them in my six pack. People who don't know me, I am a Ravens fan. People that do know me know that I'm a Ravens fan and an unbiased one. I never bet them because I just want to bet them and I will gladly bet against them. But I think catching over three here, I've plus three and a half, anything over a field goal against the Seahawks, who I continue to just not believe in. Now they keep pulling out magic wins. Four of their five wins have come by a combined eight points. So I'm sure they'll find they'll find a way to win by one on a Russell Wilson last minute drive in the fourth quarter, which he's done I think three times this year for wins. But look, the Seahawks are getting absolutely perfect play from Russell Wilson. He's had over a hundred quarterback rating in the first six weeks. 
I think only three other quarterbacks have done that in the history of the NFL. Rodgers, Brady, both in their MVP years. And I think Carson Palmer did it for the Bengals back in, I think, 06. Um, So it's only (laughs) happened three times. And he's playing absolutely perfect. And they still need these last-second wins. And they're they're winning games by one or two against backup quarterbacks of teams. Last week, they got four turnovers, awful, some awful Mayfield picks. They allowed 6.7 yards per play to the Browns. They got some bullshit uh, legal blocking call on the Browns. The Freddie Kitchens thing. And, uh, uh, it's just, it's, it's, yeah. it's insane. Now, look, these teams are really similar, the Ravens and the Seahawks. I actually have the Ravens rated about a point better. So anything at a field goal or more, I would take the Ravens here. And you know, they're very similar. They're, they don't get, they're not getting a ton of pressure this year. They're run heavy offenses. They're one of, I think, you know, four or five teams that run it about 50% of the time or more. They're in the top five in the NFL in rush percentage. They have mobile quarterbacks who can make plays happen out of the pocket. Um, and then they've had some question marks on defense. So they're, you know, they profile pretty similar. And they've also played nobody. You know, the Ravens are four and two. The Seahawks are five and one. They've played absolutely nobody this year. Not like the 49ers and the Patriots who have played, I think their combined, their win percentage of their opponents is like 26%. Last week, I did say the Browns suck, and you're like, ah, nah, they're, they're, they're pretty they good. I just want to point that they, out. They played good enough to win <laughs> yeah. at home. They just make so many mistakes. They did. They made a ton of mistakes. Mayfield made a bunch yeah. of throws that I didn't think he would make, but they got 6.7 yards per play, a defense line. That's what the Dolphins allow, and that's last in the NFL. <laughs> so, the, I mean, the Browns were getting whatever the fuck they wanted. Where They just pulled a Browns. It was like, oh, oh. You know, years passed when I was the only one in the world on the Browns, and then the line, I get two and a half points of line value, and then the Browns shit the bed in typical Browns fashion. But uh, let me point out a couple things here. But first, one of the biggest differentiators between these two teams, the difference is special teams. And that is one of the things that can make a huge difference. Number one, Seahawks are mi- they're just miserable punt returning. The last two years, higher Lockett, he, I don't know if it's the coverage or what. Ravens, one of the best punt return units in football the last two years. Obviously, you have Justin Tucker. He's 13 of 13 this year, 6 of 6, 40-plus. Jason Myers, 1 of 3, 40-plus, 5 of 7. You know, it's the best kicker in the NFL history. He's always going to have an advantage. The punting, I mean, Ravens, again, great punting. They're third in the NFL in net punting, 45.7 yards. Dixon net is like 40. It's in bottom five in the NFL. Um, so, you know, the, the special teams, it's about five yards of field position to drive. And then you're going to have field goals that you might miss on the Seahawks side, even an extra point, which Myers has missed, and then a punt that pins a team deep. Those are the things that can really make a difference when you have two evenly matched teams. But let me get into, and then the Seahawks offensive line, which, you know, the Ravens blitz more than any team in the NFL, about 50% of plays. The Seahawks offensive line might be without three starters again, and it could be you know, starting Effetti and Fant. Well, if you look at pass blocking efficiency out of 71 tackles, Effetti and Fant rank 70th and 71st out of 71. By the way, Ronnie Stanley for the Ravens left tackle, maybe the best in the NFL right now, ranks number one. And, you know, Mark Andrews, assuming he's healthy, I think he can have a huge day. The Seahawks are terrible against tight ends. Tedrick Thompson, worst cover safety in the NFL. Again, I'll mention that. So he can have a big day. But people don't understand what what the addition of Marcus Peters can do to this defense. The biggest weak point of the Ravens' defense, you people say now they can't cover deep balls. No, no they can. They no one's thrown the ball more than thirty yards down the field and completed it this year. The only team that I felt that can say that they're getting the ball out quick, and then there's missed assignments, and then people have a lot of yak after because the second quarter for the Ravens has been absolutely miserable. And I watch these games very closely. What's killing the Ravens is these underneath routes. Their linebackers aren't great in cover, and 
quarterbacks are just getting the ball out quick because the Ravens just blitz. I mean, they'll, they'll do all out blitzes more than any team in the NFL. Marcus Peters now gives them a viable second corner and they'll probably say, Peters, you stick to the left side of the field, Humphrey to the right. It's not like the Seahawks have a dominant number one that you want to shadow. And that's when Peters is at his best. And then you can disguise cover. You can disguise coverages. You can disguise blitzes more because you don't know, okay, Humphrey's going to be following around the one, blah, blah, blah. But the biggest misconception out there is Marcus Peters can't play press man. And I said, you know what? I used to think the Marcus Peters, I've been thinking he could, he's only can play zone because he, you know, jumps routes and he gets caught. And sometimes he's a very aggressive corner. But I said, well, why would, you know, Wade Phillips want him who likes to play a lot of press man? And then why would the Ravens trade for him? They played man as much as any team in the NFL outside of the Patriots and Lions. They play press man too. So I said, this can't be true. So I went back and I'm like, all right, Marcus Peters, he was known as a man corner in college. I went back. He just wasn't healthy last year. This year, he's a top 15 corner per pro football focus. He's, I think he leads the NFL in uh, coverage yards per snap. If you go back in 2017, just look at Marcus Peters' ratings. I mean, you can go, go to pro football focus. His coverage ratings, 2016, 78. 2017, 80. This year, 77. Last year, 58. And I said it all the last year on the podcast, wrote about it. He wasn't healthy and he missed a bunch of games. And the Rams are playing more zone this year and Wade has come out and said we're trying to get more turnovers. But if you go back to that 2017 team, when Marcus Peters was one of the best cover corners in the NFL, you know who ran man more than any other team in the NFL that year? The Kansas City Chiefs. They ran cover one 50% of the time. I think only one other team ran it more than 40. But just having that second corner, even if you don't think Marcus Peters is great, he already played the Seahawks, and obviously Earl Thomas is a Seahawks, but him already playing the Seahawks is big. He is a huge upgrade over Anthony Everett and all the injuries that the Ravens have had. Mm-hmm. So he And he will allow the Ravens' defense to do so much more. And all they want to do, Martin Gales, all he wants to do is blitz. So the signing of Marcus Peters, don't sleep on it and watch. Just mark my words how effective it's in press man. You know, with the line being at three and a half, the Ravens are probably the right play. I don't disagree with anything you said. The only thing that always worries me about these spots is when you're betting – against Russell Wilson at home, 36, 26, and two against the spread in his career. Seahawks are covering at the fourth highest rate at home, 58.1% uh, since uh, he took over as a QB. There's a potential here to get really angry, so I'm probably going to stay away f- from it. But for my number one pick, I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles, plus three, visiting the Dallas Cowboys. And we're starting to see this line actually get juiced up. I don't think that the books are going to come off the, the key number uh, of three because people love to bet on the Cowboys so much as well. But the reason I like the Eagles in this spot is I think, you know, all things considered, if you just compare both of these teams straight up, uh, assuming both of them are at full health, I think the Eagles are the better team Um, by not a huge margin, but a substantial enough margin that, you know, both teams a little bit banged up. I think the Cowboys probably at this point, even more banged up Eagles getting a little bit healthier uh, in the secondary, expecting some guys back this week. So um, I like the value in, in this, on this pick, because I think, you know, all things considered, let's just say that it was plus three Eagles and we weren't even talking about Tyron Smith potentially being out or Collins potentially being out or Amari Cooper potentially being out. I would still like the Eagles in this spot. So to get them when I think that the Cowboys injuries um, may outweigh uh, what, what the Eagles have been struggling through in their secondary with them getting a little healthier now and coming off a, a blowout loss to Minnesota, who previously wasn't really passing the ball that well. I think some of the public probably is, is hesitant to back them, but I think this is a better football team. I, I think, that, you know, obviously some injuries, concerns of their own, but it kind of reminds me of when they were able to go into to Lambeau Field. They still gave up a ton of yards to Devontae Adams, although he got hurt at the wrong time for Green Bay, but um, gave up a ton of yards, but they were able to get timely stops. And this Eagle team just – 
they are a pretty solid overall defense. They're actually in the top 10 in, in both early down run and pass success rate. Uh, a lot of the, the issues with them is just simply the injuries have, uh, have kind of made, you know, they've given up some big plays and the overall numbers don't look as good. But uh, I think this is the Eagles team that can compete with the Cowboys the same way that the Green Bay Packers did and the same way that the Jets did uh, last week when and you called this stuff. There wasn't that much of a disparity between a Jets team with a healthy quarterback playing at home and the Cowboys. And I don't think there's much of one, even with the Eagles on the road, because I think they're the better team than at least these Cowboys right now. Yeah, I mean, the Cowboys injuries have to be a, a big story. I mean, there's some play calling issues and other things, but I mean... Wait, you're telling me Kellen Moore isn't the savior? <laughs> after week one, him and <laughs> Arthur Smith were the... Oh, oh NFL, and then all of a sudden, it's uh, back to reality. It's easy to call plays when you play like the Dolphins. He tricked me for a little bit, and then, you know, but they were playing just some of the worst teams in the NFL. But yeah, they, you have to mention their injuries, because without Tyrone Smith and Lyle Collins, probably the best tackle duo. That's huge. You know, and it's, so without them, you're playing an Eagles team that can get pressure, that's going to bring the blitz. You're not going to be able to run it against the Eagles. No one runs it against the Eagles. Eagles giving up 3.3 yeah. yards per carry. You can't get anything up in the middle of their D. So they're going to, you know, Zeke will get his, his yards, but he's not going to, you know, set the world on fire. You also have Byron Jones, Anthony Brown, you know, Omari Cooper and Cobb might not play. So, you know, it's not the, the, and, and don't worry about Jason Witten. And even if you wanted to take care of him, Jenkins could cover him. So the biggest weak point of the Eagles is their secondary because of some injuries and you can hit some really big, deep plays on them. But, you know, without the protection, and without their healthy group of wide receivers, uh, I don't think it's much of a concern. The one concern you have for the Eagles on offense is will Deshaun Jackson play? So this offense is still lacking explosiveness. Yep. You know, once they get Deshaun Jackson, you know, not only do you have that explosiveness factor, it'll also open up stuff underneath, you know, for your crossings, for Jeffrey, for Ertz over the middle. So, but, you know, he might play, and I, I've read that he's, you know, feeling good, and who knows. But the one concern that you have with the Eagles is Jason Peters, who I, he's always hurt, but he's always playing at an elite level when he's in there. He's out. Andre Dillard is in. Now, he was a first-round draft pick, and he's probably going to be a good tackle, but he got absolutely murdered. Now, he came into a horrible situation uh, going against Griffin and Hunter in Minnesota, but he was getting run over almost every play. I think he got nine, nine quarterback pressures. So he's going to be going up against, you know, Robert Quinn. Not an easy matchup for him. I think he'll be better, but all in all, I agree with you. I think the Eagles are the side here. I have him teased. Jason Garrett, uh, since he's been the head coach of the Cowboys, when they are a home favorite, uh, if you faded them, you would be 31-19 and 19 against the spread, winning 62% of your bets with an ROI of 21%. Per BetLabs, part of the Action Network, uh, you can check that out on BetLabsSports.com. But for all these games in BetLabs, you know, trends pop up that I have saved. For this one in particular, I have so many saved that usually you see at least one on both sides. For this one, it's, it's just Eagles plus three, Eagles plus three, Eagles money line. Like, it's just all Eagles. And I think you really hit the nail on the head with what the Eagles still do best on defense is, is stop the run. So it's not like a smash spot for Ezekiel Elliott where they can just ride that uh, to an easy victory. So uh, I think we're both in agreement there. Uh, who you got for your next pick? Yeah. Yeah. And if, if Deshaun Jackson doesn't play, I would look at the under there. The Eagles are more of like an efficient offense without him. Jackson plays. It opens up the whole Eagles offense. For my second pick, I'm going with the Falcons. This is a, probably a matchup of, you know, two teams who have been the most disappointing in the NFL so far. You know, I'm talking about the Falcons and the Rams. The Falcons are three-point home dogs against the Rams. The Falcons' defense is a disaster. I'm not here to tell you otherwise. It's a disaster, and they might be without Trufant, their corner. 
But the Rams are just a mess. And it all – look, what I saw last week confirmed it for me is <clears> yeah, <throat> yeah, you called it. But look, eight, <laughs> 0 for 4 on fourth down, the play calling – I don't know what's happened to McVay, if he's drunk or, or what. If he wasn't it's, drunk then, he's drinking now. It's been right now. absolutely horrible. I mean, look, when I, I'm going to tell you some numbers you're not going to believe. The Rams have given up 91 quarterback hurries. You know what the next amount is that the Chargers at 60. Pressures, Rams, 115. Chargers, 89 is the next. Pass blocking efficiency, Rams, 76.2. That's worse than the Dolphins, who are at 80. This offensive line, it, it's an absolute disaster from all over. I mean, they're going to start uh, David Edwards in his first career start at left guard. Rookie Ed Whitworth is getting older. Goff has no time from anywhere. Once you pressure Goff, he's just off his game and they can't do anything. They can't run the ball right now. Gurley's banged up. And then on the other side, you know, so just I don't trust the Rams offense. Even against, they're going to score points. The runners, 54, 55, they're going to score points. But I just think they're going to, Goff's going to turn it over. They're going to have more drive stall than the Falcons, who their defense is a disaster, but their offense is not. Their offense is not the problem. I think Ryan is on pace to break the NFL season, single season passing record. That's what will happen when you suck and you have a great offense. And you're going up against a Rams secondary that's in shambles. Absolute shambles. Johnson, their safety's now out for the year. You know, obviously they traded Peters. Tlaib went to the IR. They brought in Ramsey. I don't think he's going to play. I and mean, if he does, I don't know how effective he'll be out there against Julio Jones. And if he can't go, you're going to have Hill and then uh, a guy making his first start, Thompson, at corner. It's a mess against these Falcons receivers. You know, your safety's out, wrapped. The, the rookie safety's been a mess. It's just the secondary is not in any shape to play this Falcons team. And at the end of the day, I don't trust this offensive line, especially on the road. So, you know, in a game that could just be end up being a complete shootout, I think the Falcons, you know, their pressure causes Goff to make a couple more mistakes than Ryan. So I'll take the three points um, with the home dog here in a matchup of uh, two of the most disappointing teams in the NFL so far this year. You know, talking about it last week, I think the Rams have a lot bigger issues than people, um, you know, thought. And this is going to probably be a shootout. The Falcons are probably the right play except for one reason, which is just that Dan Quinn, I mean, this is essentially the Dan Quinn keep his job game. If they can come in there and he can beat Sean McVay at home in front of the crowd, I think Arthur Blank is like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm going to let this guy rock. But, it, you know, it, the, the chemistry on the sidelines is terrible. It's kind of the sim- a similar situation to what was going down in Washington with, with Jay Gruden near the end. So the last three times Atlanta has been an underdog by three or more points, they are 0-7 against the spread. Now, obviously, that's a small sample. It could easily correct. But just something to keep in mind when you think about Dan Quinn and people, you know, talk about, you know, should he get fired? Is it really his fault? When you see a team perform that badly against expectations, against the spread, against, you know, when, when models say, hey, this is how they should perform and they continuously undershoot that, uh, usually has something to do with the coach. So uh, that's the only thing probably keeping me off the Falcons because I do agree. I think they should be able to win this game given the current state uh, of the Rams. You got to feel bad for Jalen Ramsey. He finally gets traded out of Jacksonville and he ends up on a team where the best quarterback is Blake Bortles. Ooh, nah, no, I'm not going there. I, I see. I, I just, think, this is a joke. It's yeah, just a yeah. joke. <laughs> God forbid. Oh. I never root for an injury. Oh, I, he gets, I, Goff I, gets hurt and it's a Bortles show. What a nightmare. Speaking of teams that I think both going to score a lot, I don't think that uh, this game particularly lends itself to a lot of high scoring and the spread is so big. Miami plus 17 against Buffalo. I get it. Miami's Back tanking. to the Dolphins, huh? Yeah. Wow. But, but I, like, listen to me. I, I, 
I thought about this. I think it makes a lot of sense to play Miami here because the total in the game is 39, hovering around 39, some spots 39, five, whatever not. The spread is 17. This is not like when the Dolphins are plus 17 against New England or, or, or even the Chargers, like a team that we know or the Cowboys that can score a ton of points. Like teams shouldn't really be favored by that much anyway, but um, now we're talking about the Buffalo Bills who uh, tend to play in low-scoring games, as we've talked about on the show before. They don't give up anything over the top. Uh, so they're Every gonna, Bills game's gone under so far, by the way. Right, every Bills game's gone under. It's one of the best bets you can usually make betting on the under when the Bills are playing and Josh Allen is starting. It's 12-4 and four now, including 5-0 and oh this season, as mentioned. And so you, you kind of combine those two situations. You look at how the game against the Redskins played out where, uh, you know, Miami kind of stayed close and uh, it was a lower-scoring game than I think some people thought. You also have the veteran Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I think can still kind of run the, this, the show a little bit more manage, uh, like uh, professionally than Rosen at this point, who I, I just don't think – I think he was a wasted draft pick. I, I don't think he has it. I don't think he's ever going to be a good quarterback in this league. Agree. Look at the Bills when they played some similarly bad teams. Uh, they play the Bengals. They don't cover. They, they win 21-17. They play the Titans. I uh, believe they were the underdog, but they cover, but they get to 14-7 game. You know, uh, they, can, they can play teams uh, that are bad on offense, and it doesn't mean they're going to blow them out. They're also liable to give one back. You know, as good as uh, – or as improved as Josh Allen, I think, has started uh, to be – the bottom line is he played some bad defenses. He played the Giants, he played the Jets, played the Bengals. Uh, still liable to give one up and turn the ball over against any defense. It doesn't really matter about the defensive quality necessarily. So uh, just too many factors, I think, kind of pointing in the direction of the Dolphins to not take this uh, at plus 17. You know, if it goes if it's down to 16-5, I probably lay off. But 17, uh, give me the Dolphins at anything uh, 17 or better. I mean, the Dolphins are terrible. I can't take them. If you give me 21, I would take them here. With Fitzpatrick, yes, I agree. He's going to get rid of the ball. He's going to be more decisive, which he showed in the second half against the Redskins. But he's also a gunslinger, so which can work for or against you. If he takes care of the ball, I, I could see it. I, I don't totally hate the, your Dolphins pick this week as I did in weeks past. All right, for my last pick, the theme of the weekend for me in the NFL is fading. these. There's a couple horrifying offensive lines on the road. Something I've always loved to do in the NFL, fade a terrible offensive line on the road, and that's what we have with the Chargers. I have them rated right on par with the Dolphins, who I thought were going to be historically bad, and still may be. But the Chargers' offensive line can't even describe how bad it is. I mean, granted, Russell Okung, their star left tackle, is out. Uh, then they lost Pouncey, but their tackles, oh man, Trent Scott and Sam Tevy are just beyond bad. I mean, this, So this offensive line is really bad. Now on the flip side, the Tennessee offensive line has been bad, too. They're on pace to break the NFL record for sacks in a year. But their offensive line actually has some talent compared to the Chargers. And I'm on the under here, too. The Titans' offense is a mess. Now, Mariota wasn't helping things. Tannehill has a little stronger arm to throw at the hashes, and he will at least get rid of the ball quicker. He's not great. He should be a backup. But he's, I think he's going to be a little better than Mariota. But what this comes down to, defense. And right now, the Chargers' defense is a – it's a disaster. I mean, and a lot of it is because of injuries. One of the worst players in football right now is Roger Teamer. He's allowed a perfect passer rating on 16 targets for three touchdowns. I mean, it gets no worse than that. And they don't tackle. The Titans are one of the best tackling teams in the NFL. The Chargers are dead last if you look at a lot of the tackling metrics. Like, they're in the 30s. There's no other teams in the 40s. This defense isn't doing anything. And the Titans at least have a really good defense. They haven't let up 20 points once this year. They're top five in points per game. They're going to probably double 
Allen. They can stuff the run and their defensive line. They're going to get pressure on Rivers. And also keep in mind for the under, charters take forever. They, they hike the ball with one on, on the game clock. Rivers every single play. They're a snail, slowest team in the NFL. That's not going to help when you have a terrible offensive line going against a good defensive line and a defense that can get pressure, top 10 in adjusted sack rate. So give me the Titans at home based on the pure fact that both these offenses are a mess right now because of their offensive lines. But the Titans are the only one with a good defense now. The Chargers are really bad. I'm obviously going, I'm going with the Chargers plus two here. I thought before the Monday night game that either they were going to take care of business against Pittsburgh and that line was going to kind of balloon to to Chargers minus three, uh, or it was going to go the other way. So I kind of hedged a little bit by putting uh, a little down on Chargers at a pick, which obviously didn't work out. But, um, you know, now getting that back at plus two, I'm happy to do it because, uh, listen, I think that it's valid. I expected the Chargers to have – to have trouble last week without their center. Um, I think that Pittsburgh front was really good, um, a really tough matchup for them. They have, I think, three guys on that defensive line that ranked in the top eight in pro football focus in terms of pass rush. But the Titans, they're a solid defense, but at the end of the day, offense is going to factor in more than defense. So, like, if there's a, a good offense going against a good defense or vice versa, the offense is still going to weight more heavily. Uh, so, in this situation, even with all the problems that they're going to have in the O-line, yes, I think it's absolutely better than the Titans, and the reason being the Titans are number 31 in early down pass success rate. They're also bottom uh, 10 in third down conversion rate. And that was with Mariota, granted. But Ryan Tannehill, people don't realize, he came in that game, his QBR was actually lower than Mariota's. They were both single digit. Uh, Tannehill was like 2.9. I'm not arguing for the Tennessee offense. I'm saying both offenses are I'm, a mess right now. I'm saying, like, look at this. Are we, are we, I'm taking the Titans defense oh, and at home. At two, it's tougher because... You're, now you're betting on a team with the worst quarterback that's just making in the first game with a new quarterback uh, and a, another team that is the better team overall, I still would, would argue, uh, that's kind of desperate for a win now because they've lost a couple straight. Um, I think with Hunter Henry back, the Chargers can play more two tight end and they can kind of block up when they need to and then uh, still be able to pass the ball to, to Allen Williams, Eckler, Gordon, whoever. I just think the Chargers have enough to win this game, uh, especially as an underdog. So, I, you know, I, I like it here. Yeah, I mean, there's two guys in their offense that just – I don't know why they're giving carries to Melvin Gordon right now. He's still trying to get up to speed. But him and Travis Benjamin, I mean, could you look worse on offense or more disinterested in drops? Every every ball that comes in the air and it's in the air and Travis Benjamin's running under it, you, you're just thinking about how is he going to not pull in the catch? Was it Chris Collinsworth called him out on it? We'll Fair see enough. what happens here. I'm up 2018, but you're, you're due for uh, some swift regression, so – I never feel good about betting on the Chargers. Uh, And that's going to wrap it up for our Sunday six-pack this week. And before we move on to our favorite total, let's hear from Action Network animal expert Matthew Friedman. Thanks for the message, Matthew. Now let's jump to our favorite over-under of the week. And I'm going under Minnesota-Detroit 45-5. I think you want that number under the 45-5, obviously. I don't think I would bet it much lower, but... Listen, Minnesota, they put a lot of points up on a Philadelphia defense that was essentially ripe for exploitation by wide receivers. This is That's what you can get uh, on Philadelphia, which is a, another reason I like them with Dallas just being banged up on the wide receiver core and at tackle. Might not have enough time, but... Minnesota, they're gonna they go on the road and they're going to shorten the game. They're going to get back to running the football. Detroit's been a, maybe a lot better, I would say, actually, on defense. And I think the average, you know, everyday public 
uh, might assume, you know, they are number four in early down uh, pass success rate on defense. They're number 14 against the run. So Detroit has been a above average defense. Remember, they played Aaron Rodgers. They played uh, Mahomes in Kansas City. They, they played some where you look at those numbers and you say, oh, okay, this defense isn't half bad. And in Minnesota, always going to play solid defense. This has been a trend for Minnesota, you know, since Mike Zimmer took over as the head coach. The under is hitting at a, a above a 60% clip for them. So um, this is a spot where I think people saw the, the explosion by Minnesota. Like, oh, they're getting back to passing. Now they face the Lions. So everyone thinks the Lions have a bad defense. I think both of these defenses are above average, and uh, I think it'll be a low-scoring game. Yeah, the one thing that keeps concerns about the Lions is their defensive line, which I love. And I've been telling the Lions all year they should be 5-0. and But they have a bunch of injuries up front that I want to keep my eye out on hand, Robinson and, and Mike Daniels. But I like their defense. They, they have great cover corners. They can cover on the outside. And their offense might struggle. They can't run the ball. You know, they said against the Chiefs they ran it, what, 36 times for 190? If you remove that, they're averaging 3.3 yards per carry. That's, you know, bottom – five in the NFL and you can't run against the Vikings. They're only allowing 3.8 top 10. And then if you get in passing situations against the Vikings, you're, then you're going to go up against Griffin and Hunter who are in the top five among all edge rushers, both of them in hurries and pressures. And then the Lions weak point on their offense is their tackles and pass protection. So I agree. It could be a long day for the Lions offense. Oh, the Stafford will make some plays, but I would like, I like the under there too. What do you think about the Saints? The under I'm going with, I already mentioned the Titans, Chargers under, but for this, I'm going to throw out Bears, Saints. Uh, this should be ugly. I think Trubisky's coming back. Teddy Checkdown was back last week against Jacksonville. Kamara looks like he's going to be out. I don't know that for sure, but the Saints signed Zenner. He's definitely not healthy. Last weekend, he did not look healthy. The Bears defense should respond off a bye after getting embarrassed against the Raiders. You know, not having Hicks does hurt some, but I don't think this Saints office can hurt the Bears. You're going to get an inspired effort from the Bears. Saints defense playing really well. Special teams playing really well. This is an ugly one. I'm going under in Soldier Field. Yeah, no argument there. So let's just go right into our weekly teaser segment. Oh, yeah. Six-point teasers. This is pretty easy for me. I already mentioned I teased the Eagles. Uh, I don't mind your pick at all, and I would lean that way in plus two and a half, plus three. I teased them up past three, four, six, seven, two plus nine. And I teased them with the Broncos tomorrow night. I'd also, if you don't get this teaser in or listen on Friday or Saturday, tease the Eagles with the Ravens. I think that also works as well. How about you? Where are you going? Eagles are also in my teaser as well, teasing them up to plus nine uh, and, and combining them with the Chargers and haven't had much luck with them. But again, I just really think that the Chargers are the better team here and that they honestly probably outright win the game. So I like getting them at plus eight. I think the same is a low scoring like, game too. That's yeah. Really and, and I will say this for everyone, you know, I'm taking it at plus two for the purposes of when we're recording, uh, but other books are still at two, but if you can get that two and a half, I think that's that's also key because um, I could see, you know, the Chargers having another Chargers game. and uh, But I, I can't see them not getting in position to at least uh, tie with a two-point conversion uh, late in the game, given how desperate I think they'll be, uh, you know, coming off underperforming in, in two straight. So if you can hold off for that two and a half, I, I think that would be uh, a better play. And now let's get into our underdog money line parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right. So 
our streak uh, has been ended. We got We got to start a new one. The Browns. Uh, oh, Browns. But uh, who you got this week, Stuck? Don't need to go into it more. I'll have a write-up on it on our app and website. But uh, I'm going with the Ravens. I think they find a way to win before the bye. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going back to, to the Philadelphia Eagles, another team where I, I think that they are um, – you put them on a neutral field, they're, they're the better team. So um, I think they have a good shot at, at winning this football game uh, in Dallas given the injury. So um, Baltimore is plus 150, and the Eagles are plus 130. So um, if you want to kind of calculate your money line parlay bets, be sure to check out actionnetwork.com slash betting calculators, and hopefully we can get back uh, on the right track. Now let's quickly cover the best of the rest – all of the games that did not make it uh, into any other segment on the show. And we'll start the best of the rest with Arizona Cardinals going to New York, really New Jersey, to face the Giants. Giants favored by three, 63% of the tickets, 75% of the money on the Giants, total at 50 and a half with 97% of the money on the over. Uh, yeah, I, like, I actually like the over. I played the over and the Giants here. Let's hear it for Danny Dimes. As soon as I found out that Ingram and Barkley were good to go, the Cardinals defense is a mess and their offense is going to score. The Giants secondary is a mess and the Cardinals go fast. The Giants play pretty fast too. And I think these are both in the top 10 in neutral situations, but the the Cardinals dead last in the NFL in guarding tight ends, 31st in the NFL in guarding backs out of the backfield. Well, Ingram and Barkley are back. I think Ingram has a huge day. What if Hooper had, you know, eight catches for 118? The tight ends just rip up the Cardinals. I think Ingram will have a huge day. Barkley will have a big day. Cardinals will score against that bad Giants secondary. They'll go fast. But I think the Giants get it done. Uh, so I like the G-men and the over. All right, Stuck Berman. But, uh, yeah, it, it always worries me to bet on the Giants as a favorite at, at home against anyone but Washington. Them having some pieces back is good news for them. I, it's more of a toss-up for me. I think the line's honestly probably about right um, with both of these teams being rated pretty evenly. We also have the Houston Texans visiting the Indianapolis Colts. Colts favored by a point. Houston getting 54% of the bets, 51% of the money. This has been the time to bet on Deshaun Watson. He is 8-2 and two against the spread as a road underdog. Uh, next game up, Oakland at Green Bay. This is one where uh, I think you're starting to see uh, some sharps coming in on, on the Raiders here because this line is down to Oakland plus five and a half. They are getting uh, 53% of the tickets, but 58% of the money. Uh, we're seeing the over-under pretty much stay put at 47 with uh, 60% of the tickets and money there. Anything on this one? This, I think, line is getting a little crazier. You know, for you trend players, teams off of a bye playing teams on a short week on Monday Night Football are 15 and 30 against the spread since 1999. 15 and 30, the ones with the, you know, 10 extra days of rest. Probably meeting at a 45 game sample size, but just throwing that out there. This, this line's getting a little too cute. It's down to five and a half, saying that Green Bay is only two and a half points better, two, two and a half, and the Raiders on a neutral field. I know the Packers have injuries, but here's the thing the Raiders do not get any pressure whatsoever. Ever. I don't think they have a single player on their team in the top 70 if we, in edge pressure. And their corners stink. You know, they're solid on their offensive line. Jacobs you know, could have some success on the ground. That's what you worry about as a Packers backer. But I don't care who's hurt on the outside for the Packers. If you give Aaron Rodgers time against bad corners, Chris Raybon could be out in the slot, and he's going to find you, and he's going to put it in a window. So I think Rodgers is going to move the ball. And so I think this is dangerous. It's, I think it's a little too cute with the Raiders. I don't know if I'm taking the Packers, but I sure as hell would need seven or more to take the Raiders here. So, yeah, I think it's Packers or nothing here. 
Yeah, I mean, they, the Raiders did play uh, some easy opponents along the way, Broncos, uh, Bears on offense. But you look up and they're actually number 14 uh, in early down success rate allowed on defense against the pass and Packers are 13. So they're pretty evenly uh, matched. But but I, again, I think the, the schedules uh, create some discrepancy there. Uh, next game, Jacksonville at Cincinnati. The Bengals are three and a half points underdogs. Jag is getting 78% uh, of the betting tickets, 75% of the money. And the over under currently sits at 43 and a half with 63% of the tickets, but 89% of the money uh, going toward that under. Yeah, look, I wanted to bet the Bengals here. I think Minshew Magic has ran out. And as you've seen in the last couple games, you know, the, the Bengals are 0-6. And they've been fighting. They fought at the Bills. They fought at the Ravens. But then the injuries, they continue to happen. The Bengals had one of the, two of the worst linebacking core in the NFL, Brown and Vigil. And they can't cover backs and tight ends. So I was like, all right, that's not a big problem against the Jaguars. I don't even know who the Jaguars' tight end is. we got Swain and Noah. They're all hurt. Um, and Fournette's not going to kill you out of the backfield. But then I find out that Kirkpatrick and Jackson, their two starting corners, are both out this week and might be out for a couple of weeks. So the injuries along the offensive line, the injuries at safety, now their two starting corners are out. And this is who right now is on the Cincinnati roster at corner. This is it. There's three guys. They're obviously going to bring guys up in the practice squad. Tony McRae, Tory McTire, and B.W. Webb. As of right now, those are your starting corners. So I don't get Minshew or whoever with Shark and Westbrook. They're, they're going to be able to move the ball. But I, I just don't think that the Jags in a sleepy spot are seven, six, seven points better than mm-hmm. the Bengals on a neutral field. But without the corners now, it's a, this is a pass for me. Yeah, I kind of had the same thought because I think that when you have a team with a bad offensive line where they're usually underrated by the market is at home when it's not as tough for that offensive line to, yep. to, to play well. So, um, but, but yeah, with the injuries, probably a stay away from me. Maybe hit that under um, because I, I don't think that it'll be, there'll be many fireworks in that one. Uh, last game, San Francisco 49ers coming off the destruction of the Rams holding Jared Goff to under 100 yards passing. Now go across the country to Washington. They are 10-point favorites. Uh, San Francisco getting 81% of the tickets after last week, uh, but only 68% of the money. And I should throw in that, and I think we talked about this once before, uh, but when you get a team that's plus nine or plus 10, just a really tough number for a favorite to cover against. So those teams are actually covering at a a remarkable 84% clip over a 45-game sample, as I think you wrote up before as well. So that's one thing to keep in mind if you want to kind of take the points with the Washington Redskins here, who are getting a little healthier on the offensive line and could slow down the game. But uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I took the 10. I mean, look, anytime I can get a home dog catching 10 that's not named the Dolphins, it's going (laughs) to pique my interest. Um, You know, people are going to say, oh, the West Coast team traveling east. That used to be an angle. It's really priced into the line now, and teams are just so much better and smarter and healthier and about travel. So that's not really the edge here. But listen, the Niners have been really impressive. But last week, you could see that their offense wasn't as explosive without use check and their two two starting tackles. Now they're going on the road. And last week they were at home. Uh, it might say it was a road game, but they were at home. That entire stadium was full of 49ers fans. So you might see the impact of that. I mean, last week, this is one of the best running teams uh, in the NFL against the Rams. They ran the ball 41 times for 99 yards. That's 2.4 yards per carry. So you could see that the offense isn't going to be as efficient on the ground until they get used check and their tackles back. The 49ers should still win this game, but it's a semi-flat spot. You saw the 49ers 
last week celebrating that win as they should have. I mean, you had Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator, was going nuts. And you got to love him. You got to love a defensive coordinator like that. And he's been awesome scheming up. And their defensive line has been awesome. Um, but, you know, after that win over the Rams, they, you know, rolled the Browns. Now they go, you know, they're, they're one of two undefeated teams in the NFL. You know, they're going to the lowly Redskins. I think it's a little bit of a flat spot, which means when I say that, they just come out a little flat. So the Redskins might go up 10 nothing, and then, you know, the 49ers wake up and then win. That's that's where the value in that is, is that I think the, the Redskins could get off to a quick start against the flat 49ers team. Just a little too many points. And I think the 49ers are just a tad overvalued in the market, just like the Patriots are. And on the podcast later in the weekend, I'll get into why I like the Jets. But the Patriots 49ers are the only two undefeated teams. Their strength of schedule, Patriots 281, Niners 276. That's, that's so low. Um, it's ridiculous. That, so they played nobody. They beat nobody. So they're a little overvalued in the market. I'll take the skins here. Nothing under 10, though. Hold your nose. Yeah, this match is a BetLabs Pro System fade teams on a roll, uh, which has gone 94 and 50 against the spread, 65% hit rate. And also, Kyle Shanahan, uh, as good as he is, this is probably the time if you're going to fade him. He is 2-6 and six as a favorite uh, as a head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. So with that, let's get into our Survivor Pool segment. One pick. One chance to advance. Survivor. All right, so uh, ended up outlasting you. Went with the Patriots last week. You know, breaking news, they won the game. This week, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills just because I can't see any other time. You know, even though I'm betting on the Dolphins to cover, I still can't see any other time I would want to use the Bills in when they were a 17-point home favorite. Uh, so, yeah, that's my pick. Anything to add? Yeah, unless you use them already, I think that's the logical pick here with the Bills. If you wanted to get riskier or if you already use the Bills, it's a tough week. You know, the 49ers on the road in a flat spot. It does scare me a little bit. I do think that they'll win, but – if I were to go with another game, I'd probably, and I might end up regretting this, go with the Bears. That's how little of options there are this week. So I hopefully you didn't use the Bills. You know, if you have to go with the Patriots or 49ers, those aren't bad options either. But I think the, the Bills are the clear best option here this week. Yeah, the, the Bears scare me, honestly, because Teddy Bridgewater now 27-7 and seven against the spread. If he wins Ridiculous. the spread in this one, that means they win the game. So uh, going with the Bills, oh, the Bills scare me too. I mean, Josh Allen could, could throw three pick sixes or fumble into the end zone. And they could get a, you mentioned they're bad at special teams before, I think. So everything scares me. Not a great week, but you got to take the 17-point favorite uh, in a survivor pool. This does it for another episode of the Action Network Podcast, NFL Betting Edition. Uh, thanks for tuning in. You can follow Stucky on Twitter at Stucky2 and myself at Chris Raybon. And you can also follow us on the same names on the Action Network app if you want to see our bets and track your odds in real time as well as get in-game win probabilities. Until next time, he's Stuck. I'm Raybon. Let's get this money and we're out of here. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.